You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brent McCoy. Good evening. Chris Scales. Hey, Mike. Mason Stiver. Hey, guys. Sorry for all the technical glitches. Tony Groves. Evening, gentlemen. And special guest, Jimmy Mullis. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, welcome. Well, thanks for coming on, Jimmy. Uh, As uh, people, our listeners may or may not know, you're involved in the Peak Series, which uh, we've been talking a lot about. They just started last week uh, at Daytona, and and you finished uh, second, so... Um, first let's get a little bit to know about you. Uh, tell us about, you know, how did you hear about iRacing initially and how did you get involved with, uh, iRacing? Um, yeah, it was back in about 2012. I was, you know, looking around on the internet, trying to just find, uh, a racing game to play and ended up coming across, uh, peak broadcast on YouTube and, uh, it looked really cool, really realistic, and, you know, it was one of those things where I just felt like I had to try and get involved in it. And um, beginning of 2013, uh, my parents signed me up for an account, and ever since then I've been hooked. And uh, then back in 2016 is when I first made my initial run for pro and made it, and I've been an impasse ever since. All right, very good. Now, Now tell us about that. Is it hard to maintain it as far as being in it year after year? Or, or is it once you're in, you're in? I mean, how does that work? Well, I mean, you've got to finish in the top 20 in the uh, the point standings throughout the whole year to be able to transfer into the following year. If you don't do that, then you fall out and go back to the Pro Series and try to qualify back in. And luckily, I've had fast enough setups, and I've been fast enough myself to finish top 20 both of my seasons so far. So, uh, I mean... A lot of people do struggle with it, but like I said, luckily I've had some luck on my side and I've been able to stay in there. All right, so let's talk about your team a little bit. you got uh, your spotter, Jordan Churchill, uh, your setup builder, Taylor Hurst. Um, and, and tell us about your team and team structure. Um, there's the NASCAR team, but you're also on a you know a regular iRacing team, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, the iRacing team, that's lockdown racing. Uh, there's a a lot of us, to be honest with you, there's about 14 members. Um, you've got myself, Zach Novak, and Taylor Hurst, who are in and pests all together. And then uh, we have people that help us out. They either spot us or, you know, make adjustments for us in the garage uh, whenever we're pitting and things like that so that it kind of, you know, just lets us focus on driving. And uh, I guess, like you said, I've got Jordan Churchill uh, that does my spotting and this year, I've got Will Cooley helping me out um, with making changes for me and things like that. So uh, having them is a huge help. And then uh, on the other side of things, myself and Malik Ray are teammates with Richmond Raceway Esports. Um, we got picked up in the draft a few weeks ago, and uh, it's been going pretty well uh, as far as that goes. So, All right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um how there's kind of the the two team thing going on. A lot of people don't really get a grasp on that. Even uh, people that, who are involved in iRacing are confused. I think. Uh, 
what's going to happen next year? Do you have any idea? Have you guys have any insight as far as, uh, you know, is it going to be a whole nother draft again or, or things stay in place where you're at or, or it's just all up in the air? Um, from what I understand, I think there is, it's going to be pretty much like a complete reset and, uh, the teams, you know, you get the draft order and they draft again. Um, cause you never know who's going to be in the series next year. So it's not like they can really carry it on, you know, same teams into multiple years. Cause you don't know if, you know, said driver on said team is even going to be in the series the following year. So, um, I'm pretty sure that everyone has like these one year contract deals and, uh, come next year, you could see some different faces with some different teams. Okay. Very good. Um, so tell us about your setup uh, as far as what are you racing with hardware wise, what kind of wheels, pedals, and are you on, on a monitor VR? Uh, yeah, well, as far as a monitor goes, I run on a 32 inch Vizio HDTV. I've had it since I was about eight years old. So, uh, it, it's aged well, it's, it gets the job done. I'm not sure it's, you know, high on the spec set side of things. I don't think it's too great but you know like i said it does does enough um and then computer wise i've got currently i've got a gtx 960 graphics card and i think an i7 6700k processor and stuff so you know it's it's a good computer it it does what i need it to and then wheel and pedals that's where i've got the nicer stuff i've got a t300 rs for my wheel and uh club sport b3s for pedals so for that, it's just all about comfort, and I've come to like these a lot. So, all right, very good. Um, and so, what else are you running besides peak? Uh, what about leagues? Um, well, here starting, or it just started a couple weeks ago. Um, the Podium Esports Elite Series. Uh, that's kind of a popular thing right now. Um, I think they stream their races on Twitch, so uh, anybody listening can go check that out. Um, we race on Thursday nights at around, I think the Elite Series starts at around 9 o'clock. So. Um, and then there's a division, the Silver Division runs before that. So it's like two divisions, Silver first, and the winner of that race gets to move into the Gold Division race that uh, follows that one. As soon as that ends, the Gold Division race starts. So uh, it's a pretty cool little setup how they've got it running. and. Also, another league I run on Thursday nights when I have time is the uh, Semato Racing Association Super Series. Uh, just won my second championship in that last season. So, uh, yeah, when I do get time to run that, it goes pretty well. Yeah, the SARA or SARA, they've been around yeah. a long time, huh? Oh, yeah. They've been around a really long time. I just found out about them and got involved with them last year. So it's been a lot of fun, a lot of great people over there. Yeah, the Podium Esports, uh, their Daytona 500 uh, at the top level series, whatever they call it, gold or whatever it is. I got, I watched that. Boy, there's some heavy hitters in there. I mean, a who's who of uh, iRacing, really. Oh, yeah, you see a lot of the names that, you know, you'll see on the Tuesday night broadcast for Peak. Uh, a lot of us running that. It's just, you know, good track time, good uh good thing to just get laps in and race around people and try to get more and more comfortable with the cup cars all right very good um we came up with some other questions here uh that uh let's go through those what track are you most looking forward to this season uh 
oddly enough, it's probably Richmond. Um, Richmond is a track that statistically I've always been really good at on iRacing, and uh, fortunately enough, they ended up sponsoring me this year, so that's pretty cool. Um, it's kind of crazy how that works out, but uh, yeah, I'm more of a short track person, and it's one of the one of few that are on the schedule, so definitely looking forward to that one. So let's talk about the Richmond thing real quick because, I mean, the opportunities you get not to only race with them, but they took you to Daytona at 500 to meet Malik Ray, and you guys got to hang out. And we saw, uh, you know, your picture put up on social media, you and Malik, uh, at the Daytona 500. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, that experience and what you got to see there. Oh, it was incredible. And uh, before I get any further into that, I want to give a big thanks to Sunoco. Um, that was, you know, they just decided about a week before race weekend that they wanted to fly us out because they were going to be announcing uh, what they ended up announcing, uh, that they're going to be sponsoring the eSports program with Richmond and everything. So uh, that's, you know, really cool. And when we were there, we got to hang around the uh, Richmond simulator and try to teach some fans and get them involved in, you know, iRacing and show them what it's about and things like that and try to get people interested in going to the Richmond races this year. And um, then, I mean, most of Saturday and Sunday, they let us, me and Malik, uh, kind of go off and enjoy the weekend. So it was a really cool experience. That is pretty cool. And uh, so who was the coolest person that you got to meet or get a picture of or an autograph that you, you know, was like, okay, that was the guy. Um, I didn't really get the chance to like get any driver's autographs cause we were just moving around so much during the whole weekend, but, um, got a picture with, I don't know if you've ever seen him on social media, Rodney Sandstorm. Uh, he's kind of a playoff character that Jordan Taylor does. Uh, he runs in IMSA and stuff like the 24 hours of Daytona and things like that in real life. So, that was pretty sweet, and um, I mean, I got to see a lot of drivers, and that was really cool. Uh, Malik actually had the chance to talk with Dell Jr. for a few minutes. Uh, he happened to just run into him at a perfect time, so uh, that's pretty sweet. And um, got a tour of Ryan Blaney's hauler and uh, his garage area and things like that from one of his uh, crew members, so that was also really awesome. That's so cool. And... Uh... Yeah, kudos to Richmond Raceway. Um, they got involved before it was a thing. You know, they were involved last year, obviously, yeah. and uh, had the foresight to, you know, start building early. And and now they've even taken it to the next step with Sunico or Sunico, whatever that is, uh, a sponsor to sponsor their the team. You know, so they they already had a brand, you know, that they could put on the hood, so to speak, Richmond Raceway. But now they have. They re can resell that to another sponsor. It's a, a a neat value, and that's really where this esports is going. It looks like. Yeah, and that's that's the cool part of it. Just how much you know over the past two or three years that NASCAR esports itself has grown. I mean, we saw a huge jump in just the purse for the season and peak uh, from what was I think about seventeen thousand dollars to. Now it's about 112,000. So, I mean, that's a huge jump. And uh, it's it's really cool to see. And um, with Richmond, you know, like you said, they've already got experience with this. So they kind of got to hit the ground running this year. And, I mean, they've, they're have they a step above 
what any other team has done so far uh, from what I know. So, uh, like you said, big kudos to them and big thanks to them. Yeah, none of this would be possible without them. So. Yep. All right. Very good. Uh, tell us, what is your preferred car number and why? Uh, preferred car number is probably 40. Um, I grew up a Jeff Gordon fan, so I was going to say 24. But, uh, you know, that's such a popular number. I, I wanted to kind of make my own name, so to speak, um, whenever I made peak. And uh, the 40, you don't really hear about it much anymore uh, since Sterling Marlin got out of it. So figured, why not, you know? Um, got a four in it, and it works. I mean, it looks good. So I just decided to start running it, and, um, yeah, it just it fits for me. So. All right, very good. Um, and next, tell us about the draft a little bit, that draft day, and before that, uh, the moments, you know, the days leading up to that, I mean, what were you thinking was going to happen? Were you think you were in, you were a lock? Because uh, they were only taking 20. Uh, were you concerned you weren't going to make it? Were you, you were like, either way? I mean, what, what was the emotions there? I mean, just going into it, uh, before I had any information, it was just, you know, cool that it was even going to be a thing uh, with iRacing. So, uh, being involved or, you know, not getting drafted either way is just a really cool thing to see. And then a few uh, few days before the actual draft, I got to see uh, kind of the roster that iRacing had given the teams, uh, kind of, you know, where they ranked us. And I was around somewhere between like 10th and 15th. So um, to see that, you know, it's an honor and it's really cool to see that, you know, iRacing thinks that I do a good job. Um, and I, I felt like I'd probably go high or low early first round or not first round, but second round. And then when I got called pick 11, it was kind of a shock, but, uh, with already being with Richmond last year, uh, I wasn't surprised. And I mean, now it's really glad it happened because it's working out well. So. All right. Very good. Um, now, now you've only been working with Malik Ray a little while here. Uh, and then this last week we had the Daytona 500, you know, tell us about that and, and how is your 500 different, you know, now that you're involved with Sunoco and, and Richmond and, and Malik. Are you talking about like the iRacing 500 or? Yeah. Oh, I mean, our plan, see this whole partnership with me and Malik, it, we're like corporate teammates. So we don't actually like share information setup wise or anything like that. We just you know, promote the brand and kind of try to help each other out when we can, uh, you know, whether it be off the track, on the track, whatever it may be. And, uh, at Daytona, we've always, we've always kind of worked well, um, together throughout the years, just running, you know, random pickup races and stuff. So, uh, ended up working out pretty well and, um, yeah, things went pretty good at Daytona for both of us. He had some front end damage that kind of hindered his performance but he got 14th so it's a good start to the year well absolutely and um interestingly uh malik did win uh, daytona 500 there was a video up on social media of his reaction after crashing cro- you know crossing the checkered flag and he was going nuts <laughs> oh yeah that was really cool that uh, got a lot of views all over social media i think even dell jr liked it and I'm pretty sure that's actually something that him and Junior talked about at Daytona, so that that's really cool. Yeah, it, 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 I'm looking at the video. It actually 11.8 thousand views 
so that's pretty good. Yeah, that's insane. All right, very good. Uh, and, and tell us where your fans can find you on social media. Uh, who do you want to thank? Uh, anything like that? Well, social media, both on Facebook and Twitter. If you just look up J Mullis Racing, that's J M U L L I S Racing. Uh, you should be able to find me there. And I'm, I try to be as active as possible when it comes to those things. Um, you know, just posting about pre-race, post-race, anything that I'm running, and you know, promoting Richmond and things like that. Um, and then also, I want to give a shout out to all my teammates at Lockdown Racing. Um, without their help, I definitely would not be able to perform at the level that I do. And then got to give a big shout out to Richmond and Sunoco and everybody that is a part of that partnership because uh, they they just do a great job with trying to get esports and sim racing to bigger and better sites and things. And, uh, yeah, it's just really appreciated by a lot of us in sim racing that, you know, people are going out of their way to try and put our platform even higher. Um, but, yeah, like I said, Richmond, Sunoco, Sim Seats, just everybody that's a part of that program, it's really cool. It, very, it really is. We've been following this topic for uh, a couple of years now. This has kind of been building up to this uh, season with the big uh, 300000 in prize money, you know, across all the different series and the peak being the diamond of all that and the kind of the centerpiece. Um, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool that you're involved in that. You know, congratulations on, on that and hope you have a great year out there. Uh, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate you guys letting me come on and kind of talk about myself a little bit and uh, you don't get to do that every day so uh like i said i really do appreciate it all right very good we're going to jump into topics but first let's talk about the old brl old bastards racing leagues we do sponsor their monday night arca series and we had 31 drivers brave the cold weather and go to the canadian tire motorsports park and uh exciting 40 lap road race Scott Velez smoked the field for the pole award. Vernon Mardheim gained 26 spots to win the Hard Charger Award. And pro podcast, po- podcaster Greg Hectus recorded the fastest lap of the race by two-tenths over the field. Scott Velez led 38 laps and eventually won the race by over 28 seconds. Original old bastard Niels Clyde took second and Jim Oliver third. Four drivers... Greg Hectus, Dode Hoskins, Eddie Jones, and Mike Schrader will battle it out in the championship round at Chicagoland. Um, Greg uh, finished ninth. Chris, you finished 17th. Tony, 21st. How hey, Tony. It? I just raced it so I could uh, spot a couple Canadians in their natural habitat <laughs> with Greg and Tony. It was awesome. <laughs> Did you keep it on track? Yeah, for the most part. I think I... I think I had four X all together. I think I think that might have been. I think those were all just one X's, actually. For the so yeah, for the most part, it was pretty good. I it was a silent race. I I couldn't talk through most of it because I was so concentrated on trying to keep it on track. I mean, it's just uh, this next level with those guys, man. The, the field is so solid from front to back. I mean, it's just it's, you're just a hundred percent of the time, man. You got to be on top of it, and um, I've definitely improved over what I was earlier in that season on road courses, but it was still kind of a struggle. Yeah, man, I, I got to take a script out of uh, Chris Gale's book and, and, you know, just not talk while I'm road racing. Um, even at Watkins Glen last season with uh, with the old bastards, I as soon as I open my mouth, 
my car spins. And that happened to me twice this race. I mean, other than that, I was, I was doing all right. I actually felt quite comfortable at that track. And, but, uh, I get talking and I lose my concentration and once just one little slip up of the accelerator and spun her out twice. Well, I appreciate your talking. <laughs> like I said, it was an entertaining race because of it. And yeah, I almost uh, one I almost had an off track trying to respond to something funny you had said during the race. But yeah, shout out to Greg Hectus, man. He started um uh started in the back and had a pass through penalty. So he came back to ninth. Yeah, he came back to ninth. He he passed me, but I was I managed to stay ahead of him the second time, so he didn't lap me. But yeah, he came all the way back up to ninth, and like I said, these guys don't mess around. I mean, it's a it's a solid field of drivers, and that's pretty impressive. And to be two tenths quicker than anybody, I mean, yeah, he was he definitely gave it one hundred and ten percent. Hopefully, he doesn't have any penalties this next week. <laughs> yeah, let's well, hope he uh, gets that done. Let's let's not forget he actually ended up doing two uh, green flag pass throughs because the the first time. Um, you know, in iRacing, if you're last, you can kind of sneak in there as long as everybody else has crossed the start finish line. Well, that don't, that don't fly in the OBRL. So he, he did his first one and then he had to come around on the next lap and, and do it again. So, um, that was like two plus the OL and, and he was still able to, to accomplish all that. Oh man. Yeah. I missed that completely. Actually. I was in, yeah, beginning of the race, I was in zone out mode, trying not to run off the track or into anybody probably. All right, we'll go get them next week, Greg. Uh, final race. We'll see how that goes. Winner takes all, I guess, huh? Yep, yep, sure thing. 100 bucks, I believe. Isn't that right, Tony? I'd have to look it up. Well, money. Yeah. Yeah, real money. Not, I, I don't even know. I don't yeah, know I haven't been running. Being so <laughs> yeah, I'm out of loop because I was definitely not in that conversation. But, yeah, yeah, it's it's real money, I do believe. All right, very good. Let's jump to topics. Mason, 2019 Volusia Late Model Showdown. Yep, let me get stuff set up here. Okay, so we got the uh, Late Model Showdown happening. It's uh, the Super Late Models in the Dirt um, at February 22nd, 24th. There's four time slots, Friday 8 p.m. Eastern, Saturday 8 a.m. Eastern, uh, Saturday 12 p.m. Eastern, and Sunday 9 a.m. Eastern. And uh, you got the heats. There's 10 cars per heats, four heats, 10 laps, and uh, top two go to the feature. So it's a 50 lapper. Should be a fun one. All right. And how? I, I guess I'm not very versed on dirt, but why is it a, a special event? I'm just not um, familiar with it. I guess. Yeah, it's it's just a big deal down there in Florida. I think because I, I believe it's a Florida opening track. opening event of the season or something. Yeah, yeah, that kind of that kind of deal. Okay. All right. Very good. If you're into it, man, get it done. Late model showdown. All right. Next up, I got IPV4, uh, an update. Um, we talked about this uh, in the past uh, that iRacing is uh, auctioned or went to buy on auction an IPV4 address block so they could better route internet traffic to their servers. And you have to buy your own uh, IP static IP addresses basically at auction because there's none left. And so you have to go buy them <clears throat> and then you have your, you know, static IPs or whatever. And so that's what they're doing. They did successfully uh, purchase them and they've uh, officially been transferred to them within ARIN, which is the uh, 
organization that controls the assignment of those global IP addresses. Um, and so they only qualified for a block large enough to be used from a single location. So they are going to use it at their Boston race server farm. I think they were hoping to get it for their farms in Amsterdam and other places as well. But it turns out they're only going to be doing it in Boston. Uh, and then more to come. They're still setting it up. And um, I don't know what would be the next step. As long as it makes it uh, easier to get to iRacing, I'll take it. Well, I think this all originated from uh, issues with Australia getting routed correctly through some of the ISPs down there. Um, they were using a, a, a certain uh, route that wasn't very fast, and that was causing problems. Yeah, I'm not super well-versed in this stuff, but from the way I understand it, so what they would normally have, a dynamic address, it can change, and so with any number that can change, it can cause problems, you know, a minute later, you know, a month later or whatever. But with something that these static addresses, they would never change. So a, a computer going to a server is always going to be going to the right place. That's kind of a big deal to ha with IPv4 because there's kind of limited addresses so that it's it's hard to get them to us to give you a 100 percent static ip address like that but yeah better connection for us is what it boils down to all right cool if it's needed get it done that's what i say all right next up chris pictures or it didn't happen <laughs> who names these pictures didn't happen that's awesome oh yeah it's a uh, uh forum post from Alexander Horn. He had promised um, some pictures of the updated Daytona and he had stuck a few of them up on the forums. Uh, looks like the... you probably find them by uh, either searching for Alexander Horn in the forums or the um, original post was uh, updated Daytona by um, Ryan Hunt. But just a few pictures from what I saw and I don't really know how it compares to the old Daytona because I have so many of my graphics settings turned off actually. I mean it looks awesome but that's because, you know, I'm using, I'm only seeing half of the current Daytona. Well, it's the front stands obviously are different. That's the big thing. Uh, the, the back stretch, the, the stands are gone back there too. And you got billboards instead. Uh, yes, that's how much I noticed. I didn't even notice that the, I, I, do, I do, do have the grandstands turned on at least, and I didn't even notice the absence of the grandstands on the back stretch. I forgot they took them out actually. Yeah, so anyway, that's coming uh, in the next build, and so I'll be watching for that. All right, Tony Garov, so don't use Wi-Fi ever. Yeah, it's kind of in reference to the article that we were talking about last week um, that uh, was was done from the Associ uh, Associated Press on uh, Ray Alfala with iRacing, and it was a nice kind of fluff piece um, talking up iRacing and, and Alfala's involvement and some of his accomplishments um but there was one big term in there um that caught the attention of uh dale jr and that was the gentleman's uh start your wi-fi connection and uh he's quick to point out to on the twitter um that don't you ever use wi-fi um we all know why. Uh, kind of a just, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, Wi-Fi is the worst thing you want to use. This, what is this? Kind of funny, and it, uh, you know, generated a couple of comments, and um, yeah, it's just Dale poking fun at it. But uh, he seemed to be happy with that article overall. 
Man, you got Ray Alfal here saying, if you use Wi-Fi well enough, no one dares to get close. It's a win-win. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's another way to look at it too, right? I mean, we, we, we've all been in a position where, oh, geez, that guy's blinking. Stay away. Yeah, let him go, right? <laughs> blinks into the lead. All right, Tony, you got the next one. This week, on can you spot the difference? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a... I, I recently put on their Instagram. It's a quick little video clip um, of a YouTuber doing a, um, you know, iRacing versus real life. Can you spot the difference? Um, this time here, it's uh, I'm not sure what car they're at, but they're at Le Mans. And it actually took me a little more than, you know, five or ten seconds to, to see which one was which. Um, just kind of goes to show you that like how, how close this is. I mean, we, we've talked about lots of these and they never, you know, they don't ever fail to impress us. And this one really is no different. Um, I, I like these videos. They're, they're a lot of fun and goes to show you, you know, how real this sim is. Not only the track, but the car, uh, it, how realistic it is, the car, because 20, 30 seconds into the lap, they're taking the corner at the same exact moment. They're hitting the apex at the same exact moment. It's exactly the same. Yeah, it's a Ferrari, I believe, um, the GT or GT3. And uh, the only thing that, that really set it off for me was the reflection in the windshield. That's the easy way to tell, yeah. Yeah, I know. That was a great observation, Mike. I actually didn't even watch the video. I was just kind of trying to wing it and... You caught me, but yeah, these these guys are doing the exact same thing at the exact same time. It's it's actually a little freaky. Same lap times, you know, everything. And so the track is exact, the car is exact, and, and these kind of videos side by side really prove it, uh, you know, all visually. I mean, nothing has to be said. You just watch the video and you'll get the idea. It's very obvious what's going on. Yeah, this was an Instagram on iRacing's uh, Instagram. Yeah, and the the bumps as well. If you pay close enough attention, the the bumps match. Um, it, it's it's crazy as as the more I watch this. Yeah, the rumble, everything. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, next up, uh, Mama, I'm famous. We got a video from uh, WCYB News Channel Five. Uh, Posted on February 14th, it says, iRacing ga gaining popularity in NASCAR. And it's a video uh, that they put together. Uh, well, it, they obviously showed it on their news broadcast. And um, there were some quotes in there from Parker Kligerman that was very interesting. Um, there was also uh, Clint Boyer was in, in the interview as well. And Clint Boyer said that Stuart Haas has a sim team. Well, that's the first time I've heard that, guys. I don't think I've heard that Stuart Haas actually has a sim team. Uh, what do you guys think about that comment first before we get into the rest of it? Well, is that like a hashtag soon? Like, um, <laughs> that, I mean, that'd be cool. I, the more the merrier, I think. Yeah, I mean, they're not in the peak that I know of, uh, that I'm aware of. The Stuart Haas, uh, is Clint Boyer just confused? Because Clint Boyer can be very confused at times, so maybe that's or, it. Or is it in the heat? NASCAR heat? Yeah, maybe he's referring to heat. Yeah, who knows? 
but anyway, uh, yeah, so he was there, but also Parker, he went on to say uh, some interesting things uh, that he hasn't said before. He said, quote, people will get to the peak level and make a living doing that in the future, he's referring to. He also said, this is the only esport where they are doing the actual action that the real guys do. Uh, and another quote, someone in the next decade will go from NASCAR heat to the peak antifree series to a real car in the NASCAR Cup series. And he was predicting that that would happen in the future, that somebody would go straight to the cup level through iRacing. Very interesting comments. I'm curious. I mean, we got William Byron. He didn't necessarily go through the peak, but he did a lot of that. Obviously, Daytona pole, and he's very successful so far. I I think they'll definitely you'll definitely see that if Peak turns into what NASCAR and iRacing wants it to be. It's a storyline for them. If they could get somebody to come up through there, like for example, Mike Conti, Michael Conti. Um, he's a young kid. He's in Peak. He's in the top five ish, so to speak, of of the Peak series. Um, he's one of those good drivers that he's not in real racing at all. And if he does well, what, you know, could he be promoted to go quickly up into cup? Who knows? That's what they're really talking about is something of that kind of scenario. I'm sure NASCAR wants it bad because if something like that happens, then they can start putting them in commercials saying, Hey, look, kids playing Fortnite, come play some other games and, and maybe you'll get hooked on NASCAR and get into this sport and buy our stuff. Well, you know, you got to trust what Parker's saying a little bit because he is involved on a business level because he is a team owner in the Peak Series. And I think Conti is a good choice if you're going to lay lay bets now. He has the right connections. Yeah, I'm just throwing that name out as an example. But, um, but yeah, um, you know, Parker Kligerman, uh, I, I really like that he what he's done, you know, getting involved with this and, and dragging Jeff Burton into it. Um, I think they have a great team. Yeah, he spends a ton of time on iRacing. He's on here doing the NBC stuff all the time, and um, he's also in NASCAR. So if, if you know, he knows both worlds. So if, if that's what he says, I, he probably has a pretty good view of it. All right, uh, Mason. It might be time to explore another internet browser. Yeah, we have uh, a post up here from Nicholas Bailey, iRacing member, saying that uh, they're going to be canceling Internet Explorer. Uh, support with the March build. So uh, you should probably not be using Internet Explorer anymore uh, at this point. You should be using Google Chrome or Firefox or even Edge if you're desperate. So uh, they're going to look at that and they're also going to look at uh, not longer supporting Windows 7 as of uh, January 14, 2020. Wow. Well, that goes in line with uh, Microsoft dropping support as well, correct? Yes. So, it, yeah, it's natural that iRacing would go along with that. Because if Microsoft's not supporting it, then why should anyone else? But if you're using Internet Explorer to launch your iRacing sessions, you're a dunce to begin with. <laughs> yeah, didn't we didn't we uh, talk about this last week or a couple weeks ago? Or maybe it was not on the podcast, but I do remember that. Because, yeah, Internet Explorer sucks. Why would you use it anyways? I think it was a, a we we had a bug report or something, but it was only if you used Internet Explorer. And 
So well, now good. they're pulling the plug. So that's basically what's happening. Yeah, that's a great way to fix a bug. Just stop using the damn thing. Problem fixed. Yeah, they don't want to backwards, uh, you know, engineer everything for this old browser from 10 years ago or however long it's been. All right, Brent, uh, should you call the iRacing police? Last week was the uh, Daytona, all the Daytona races, as we know, and it seems like every time we're at a super speedway track, this question comes up, is it legal to pass below that solid double yellow line? And there's a video posted on the forums with a poll asking this, and long story short is a, um, two cars approach a lap down car. One of the cars goes down the front stretch below the yellow line right before the trial to pass it. The second car, the front car in front of them, goes high to pass that lap down car they split them and they both end up wrecking because the inside car is on the apron in the trioval comes up and uh, hits that car hits that lead car and the poster the op went and posted is this legal and nim cross actually chimed in saying that long story short is that there there are no yellow line rules in iRacing for the oval tracks if someone does go off track to pass they must return safely if they cause a crash by returning unsafely, they may be protested for reckless contact, end quote. So the question here that brings up um, my, that comes to mind is, what is their definition of safely? Because in the video that is posted on the forums, the guy, I would say he didn't come up safely because he ran up into the car on the outside of him, or drifted up into the car on the outside of him. But they protest, he, he protested that move, and it came up as a racing incident. So what are your guys' thoughts on this yellow line rule? Should it be a hard rule where no matter what, no passing below the yellow line, or just race it out? Well, I think we've always run it. I've always thought of doing it as NASCAR does it. You know, I do it NASCAR rules, which is you don't pass below the yellow line and, and gain an advantage. But what's clarified here is you can do that, and you'll get away with it, and that's legal as long as you don't do something that's protestable. But in your case, Brent, in your particular video on that particular forum post, I would say what that guy did is protestable because he did come up and swipe out some cars. So and that's um, where that's where the confusion comes in. You know, I mean, it's all, it's all of a matter of opinion, is what this boils down to. But do you guys well, think there should be a hard lined rule in writing saying no, you can't pass below the yellow line, or yes, you can? Well, he came up and gave that guy a car contact. So that, in my mind, would cause it. So if you give someone a car contact, like you get that even to pop up, you know, that's where I think that should trigger the black flag. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, that, that would have been something that would be protestable, whether it was on the line or halfway up the middle of the track. So it was just a contact. But yeah, I, I wish that they could have the rule. I think it would be, I would agree with it. But I don't know that it, we they could be able to enforce it without being a nightmare. I mean, because they can hardly get the off tracks right, you know, when it's uh, a, a road course. Well, you can protest it, and that would be how it would be enforced. Well, two things here is, one, um, the incident in the video, it's it's not a penalty. There, It was protested. No punishment was handed out. So clearly that's a legal move from what happened in that video here. Um, he didn't and come back onto the track unsafely, which I think a lot of us would disagree with. And two, um, Nim Cross goes on to explain that the reason why they don't have that as a clear line rule for passing the yellow line is because on large tracks with high banking corners in which um, 
NASCAR and let's say IMSA or road course cars go on, they can't have that rule on there for both series. So that's why they don't have that as a hard line rule. Well, and think about how accurate that yellow line could be. You know what I mean? Like, are we going to go with with which part of the yellow line? We're going to go with the very last yellow. We're going to go with the top of the yellow. You know what I mean? Well, at the same time, too, I mean, that that the line rule is only to gain position. So how, you know, how, it'd be, I think it'd be extremely difficult to code that. Um, right. Otherwise, I mean, you don't want to get a black flag for just going below the yellow line. Maybe you're dodging a wreck. That's perfectly legal as long as you're not uh, gaining position, right? So yeah. what I was telling one of my teammates about this rule, this ruling about this rule, is now when you go for the checker and you're on the bottom, you might want to go to the grass, you know, yeah. go down on the apron because it's yeah. totally legal. And and you and that's the that's an advantage. That's why we do it in qualifying. So why wouldn't we do it on the last lap of the race, um, especially when they're trying to side draft you? If you get down on the eight on the flat down there, they can't side draft you. And I th- I think that's going to be a legit move in the next uh, day you know Daytona race Talladega. So then, can I go through the grass and win the race? No, you have to be on the pavement. No, you can go through the grass and win the race. Sure. Well, it says you can't. You can't cut the course to gain an advantage, and that would be trying to gain an advantage right there, cutting through the grass. That might be protestable, right, if somebody protested that. Well, I would argue that going below the yellow line is cutting the course. Yeah, yep. (laughs) Anyway, um, I had a a similar protest-ish. I thought that it was not legal in iRacing to cut down or to change lanes um, before you hit the start-finish line on a restart and apparently it is legal in iRacing yeah as maybe long as you not do it to the league. outside nope he went from the outside to inside and i protested and uh said that they don't enforce that rule but if he passes you on the inside before the line i'll give him a black flag right i'm just talking about changing lanes like there's clearly an open hole and went down because he didn't want to be in the outside lane to get shuffled to the back because daytona so you're saying NASCAR has that rule, so yeah, we're doing it differently. It's a good point. What does Juson Hamilton think, who's the series director from NASCAR? Um, you know, I bet he wants the rules to be consistent, kind of like I do. Yeah, that's the rule Mason's talking about. I'd really like to see, because that would keep people, there's really nothing other than a judgment call from people, you know, shotgunning up through the field. Yeah, you know, people can protest it, but then you know, I racing. Are they gonna? You know, how it's their call on what he did. The, you know, the five people in front of him check up, and so it's okay that he can dive instead of everybody else that was checking out to be safe. It's okay for this other guy to dive to the middle and gain a bunch of spots and maybe cause a wreck. All right, let's keep moving, Chris. Uh, update on the new forums. Yes, um, it actually started as a poll. Um, started by Will Sutton on the forums asking, should the new forums start mostly clean? And uh, surprisingly enough, 60% of the people said um, no, which uh, I was on the kind of the yes side to get rid of all that junk because you can't hardly find anything if you're searching through there. But it doesn't matter what the no's say because um, according to Nicholas Bailey, uh, it's going away anyway. He said, uh, I can answer this one. 
existing posts will not be migrated and new forums will start clean. These forums will remain online for reference, I imagine, or I'm sorry, for reference, I imagine I will be doing a lot of sticking of various threads as people migrate them. There are a great deal of stickies that are actually out of date and are really only useful for historical record of how things worked at one time and how that has changed over time. Since these forums will remain online to maintain that information, this will be a good time for the various stickies to be updated to current information. Also, new forums will not be in the new UI. How would people be able to access them at work? Nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I don't know why they would want to keep all that stuff around. I know somebody just has looked to try to set up, um, you know, various hardware devices. You get articles from 2013 that are totally useless and have to dig for the newer stuff. Um, but there was uh, a question about that as well, because you do want to be able to actually see that that uh, that older stuff. So they add, uh, a user asked if there would be links in the new forums so you could get to that old information. And um, Nicholas Bailey replied, yes, you can put a link in the new forum pointing to the post here, meaning the old forum, and users clicking on it will be brought there without having to re-authenticate or anything. I don't think you can attach files in PMs, but that's something we can look into. So I think uh, it's the best of both worlds to me. I don't know why anybody would want to keep that stuff around, but yeah, if we can start brand new and then have links back to any of those articles that we need to get to, that sounds perfect to me. Yeah, they really need to modernize the forums. And on a side note, this podcast is going to be affected heavily by this move uh, because it's a it's a well-oiled machine how we get content together for this podcast, but it all starts with the old forums that we use with a uh, email notification of when certain people post. And so I follow a list of about 50 or 60 people. Um, and every time they post, there's an email generated and that's how we get content ideas for this show. And so when we transition to these new forums, all of our notifications are going to stop. And we're going to have to rebuild uh, some kind of new system based on however this new forums work, hoping they have some kind of similar notification system uh, and, and we'll rebuild it. But it is going to be a challenge and uh, we might have a couple shows where we don't have many topics. <laughs> Good thing we have you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's a, a really pretty, a, some, an awesome inbox that you build up over the years. Maybe you'll get lucky and there'll be... Um they can uh, link it by person. I know a lot of those are by uh, particular people that post. Maybe they'll you'll still get those notifications on, on the new forums. We'll have to start completely over. We'll see. Um, I, I'm excited about it. I, I think it's a good change. Those forums are really from when the internet began is when those forums were built. So it's time for something new. All right, uh, Mason, setup folder. Yeah, this was just, I was browsing through the Peak Setup Guys topic on the forums, and I uh, came across Jarl Tien, the Peak Driver, um, came across his setup folder for Daytona. They were talking about how to how to adjust the setup, and he posted up a picture of all the setups that he make. I'm going to show it here in the stream. It has about, I would say, 50 setups just in the picture that he took, named 4.0, 4.1, 4.15, 4.9. 4.05 potential, 1, 
4.05 potential 2, 4.05 potential 3. So this guy, I mean, he's just going to town on the setups there. So that's a Q setup for 2019 for Daytona. Yeah. And like you said, 50 different versions. And you got to know, because there's a version number on each one, there's got to be notations or notes behind that that says why all 50 of these are different and how are they different. So there's got to be a lot of more work behind it besides what you see right here. Well, it's just interesting to get a sneak peek into uh, the Peaks setup guys' uh, folders. All right. Yeah, he's in the Peak uh, Jarl Tihen. All right, next up is uh, Worst Kept Secret. We got the BMW M8 GTE car has been officially announced. Um, it is well. It says coming soon, pending approval by BMW. And iRacing put up a uh, a article at iRacing.com. Actually, it says the BMW M8 GTE coming soon. Um, and so they posted up a picture of it. Um, they said we're targeting a season two release. Uh, pending final testing and approval from the manufacturer. So, what do you guys think? Uh, did you was this the car you were expecting? <laughs> Where's our road racers tonight? <laughs> yeah. No, well, I don't know. Uh, I, I I think a lot of people had, had said BMW. So, I did not expect this. Tony is shocked. <laughs> I'm very shocked. <laughs> Honestly, I am. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we did talk about it or something. I did. Now, one question that Kevin Bobbitt answered was, what, what does this mean for series like IMSA and Lamar, where we already have a max of six different cars? He said, we're currently testing seven cars, and it's looking good that we will be simply adding the car to these series. So that's big. They're going to go to seven instead of six. I think BMW probably wants in with Porsche now, you know, getting all the attention. Yeah, and how and how do you decide who gets to put be set out because of the max of six? Well, you just increase it to seven. <laughs> well, how how many cars do they run in in the real life? More than that, I think. Okay, so that basically that means just we you know we've got room to grow. Yeah, it's just yeah. can the computer handle it, right? Right. And the, uh, I mean, how would you feel if you were, I believe it was a Ferrari GT3 that they kicked out of the IMSA series last year? Like, how would you feel if you're Ferrari? You know, well, we can make room for BMW, but not you. Uh, whoops. But yeah, it was all over social media. We had Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, everything, uh, forums. It was all announced. Uh, the marketing on this one was a little, I didn't quite understand it, but they kept showing a big picture of a BMW M8 car, like a big car, next to a bunch of smaller cars of the other series. And I don't know if there's an inside joke about it, but I don't get it. They're making a joke because it's a big, fat car compared to the other nimble Ferrari and Ford. I see. Okay. See, I did know. All right, Brent, tell us about Lando Norris. Lando Norris recently participated with his uh, F1 teammate Verstappen in the um, iRace at Bathurst 12 Hours. And the art, pretty short article, but it goes on to say how Lando believes that the correlation between iRacing and F1, how that is going to help him in his F1 driving his car. He goes on to say that some of the setups, setup adjustments that he did in the Bathurst 12 Hours with that car, he says he could 
realistically see how they would improve him in the F1 car that he's in. And then he also goes on to say that strategy-wise, how doing these long endurance races and how he likes to do these endurance races on iRacing, that that helps him with strategy planning and hopefully just making his team overall better. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, he also said for the race we he did in Bathurst, we had a proper engineer. Um, and so they've taken it very seriously, and and uh, it shows. Yeah, it's good to see a little um, F1 love now with iRacing, although albeit small, it's good to see that they're starting, slowly starting to get mentioned in the same category. Well, between Max Verstappen and uh, Lando Norris, um, you know, both F1 drivers, and they're heavily involved in iRacing, you know, so um, it's pretty cool. All right, Chris, are you afraid of the dark? Yeah, this is a uh, forum post by uh, Jeff Barnes, and uh, the original post, he was asking why the NIS and A open times are different because the start time of the, the race, because Monday night he ran to an issue where it just, it was too dark to race at the end of his race. And so on, uh, this was Monday night on Tuesday, um, Tyler Hudson chimed in and uh, post didn't answer the part about NIS, but did say as far as the darkness, the time was adjusted this morning for the A open and A fix to start an hour earlier so that you don't have the problem of darkness toward the end of the race. And um, I, they made those changes, but apparently then it didn't stick. And so people were still racing in the dark for um, Tuesday. And uh, they got that fixed on Wednesday morning. And the races are starting an hour earlier, but um, from what I was seeing in that post, there some, you know, if you have a lot of cautions, there's still people that are racing in the dark, you know, probably last five laps or so there's a couple people um a guy that was spotting the race and posted a pick and it was it was pretty dark you don't you can't see much so this is an outcome of them adding the day night transition stuff that it's kind of an unexpected consequence you know in the past before they had the day night transition stuff it was set it was a day race and it was always a day race no matter how long the race is it didn't transition in the night no matter what and so it didn't matter but but now it does it matters when the start time is because the sim has this natural transition from night to day depending on the time of day and so um atlanta has lights but iRacing's version of atlanta doesn't have lights and we desperately need iRacing to add the lights to Atlanta, so this is not an issue. Um, so let's get that done. Okay, next up, uh, should the DP get some love? Um, a good question in the forum, I thought it was, uh, somebody brought up, hey, what's the chance of getting a DPI car uh, category coming to iRacing, you know, which is the fast car in the IMSA series? Um, and we did actually did get an answer earlier today from Alexander Horn. Um, here's his quote. He said, the biggest issue is that if we build the current DPI car, it will be current for maybe, maybe one year and then they're obsolete. And then we're stuck with them for three to four years. We can never keep up with the constant changes to these cars. And so that's really the reason they haven't really uh, pursued those cars because they don't stay in place for very long is what he says. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a car that, is is it is a prototype, prototype right? It has a prototype in the in the name, in the so it's going to change 
frequently and i mean so it is frustrating to see it on the track in real life and not see it in the in the sim but i get why they wouldn't do that yeah and and then the, there's a the problem of to get the team to go along with it you know the cadillac team you know to go along with that and say okay yes here's our car laser scan it you know in case Somehow our competition might be able to see it or something, you know, and there's always that kind of worry, especially in these cars, like you said, that are prototype. And so um, I think there's a big hesitance from the teams too. And iRacing absolutely has to have that partnership with the teams to make this work. And I don't know if they'll get that. All right. Long live the HPD. All right, Mason, uh, beta update. Yep, looks like on February 19th, we had an update to the beta UI. Um, we got uh, time, so the beta interface clock will now immediately update when any time-related interface settings are adjusted. Um, session start times are now displayed in a format that matches the selected interface settings. Uh, registration fixed an issue where hosted modal window was not opening when clicking on the pending hosted session. And it fixed an issue that sometimes occurred when registering for a hosted session where the track logo did not load correctly. And uh, with driver registration for iRacing series with special terms. Uh, we also got uh, calls between hosted races and store pages. So I'm assuming people were having trouble uh, paying for the hosted sessions. Um, and there's a new update to the table view, which uh, fixes the column headers of the official series and the withdraw button not properly opening withdrawal modal window so just some little tweaks there to hopefully make it more bearable <laughs> i just keep waiting for the next shoe to drop here i mean it's just not going where they need it to go and it's been so long you know something drastic needs to happen here and these little tweaks and these little fixes are not going to get it done I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of negativity about it still in the forums that uh, pretty much ignore because I'm just tired of repeating it every week. But it's still out there, guys. I'll tell you what. Just keep in mind, a wise man once said things are never as bad as you think they are, and they're never as good as you think they are also. So it could always be worse. <laughs> All right. Let's give it time here. We got no rush for it. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. But um, we got no rush right now. Well, there was a hint uh, last week from somebody that said there was some kind of new plan coming. Uh, we heard that on the forums, but I was kind of hoping that would be announced here soon. But we haven't heard anything. We'll wait and see. Uh, next up, a disappearing track. Um, there was a bug where somebody was reporting disappearing track um, when using what's called SMP which is something multi-projection. I think, Mason, you and I were talking about SMP the other day. Yeah, it seems like a VR thing, maybe. But whatever it is, it, it made it better whenever I unchecked it, at least for me, because I could check sh different shadow options that I couldn't before. But anyway. Yeah, so anyway, there was an issue with that, and if you're running a GTX 2080. Um, and so... <clears throat> Basically, as Mason was saying, you could turn that off or on and you'll get different results. Um, you, I think you want to run it on, but it says the new mechanism doesn't work on the 1080s. So our plan is to add support for Turing multi-projection ASAP. 
almost certainly by June, if not sooner. It will get rid of the screen angle limitations, etc. Apparently, the device driver is sort of translating our 1080W warping into 2080 mode, but doesn't quite work right. Now, I'm not quite sure I completely understand what I just read there, but it has to do with if you have that TMP on, SMP on, I mean, and and it and you have a 2080, there can be problems. And so what I'm saying is you uncheck that and you may uh, have a temporary workaround until they resolve the issue, he said, by June, if not sooner. Yeah, we have actually covered um, that whole SMP uh, option thing in the past. Um, and it's for like the, the higher, you got to have pretty high end equipment to be able to support that properly. But yeah, it's, it's for the multiple monitors. And if, if you, if your computer can handle it, it's supposed to um, really make the three screens work a lot better, more crisper, cleaner. Um, that is very much the dumbed down version. It um, renders them separately. On yeah. The three. That's, yeah, that's Instead of as one, right? Yeah. Now, he also said in the same post on a separate note, for the March build, I'm 99% sure we'll be releasing single-pass stereo support for both Pascal, the GTX 1000s, and Turing, the GTX 2000s. This is for virtual reality and should help out our VR customers struggling with CPU bottlenecks from all the draw calls. I haven't tested the performance difference yet, but it will surely help out some. So this is good news. This is, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people with VR are having the CPU bottleneck problem, and uh, apparently this change will uh, help that. That's good news. <laughs> Whatever buttons they click that, that optimizes the thing and makes our stuff run better, I'm happy with. All right, Chris, tell us about single-pass stereo for VR. Yeah, this kind of seems to be along those same lines. I don't know. Um, uh, this was a forum that post by Sean. That is the same Sean. thing. I'm sorry. That is, is the same thing we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of yeah, kind of more of the same. Uh, this is supposed to make all of our, our stuff prettier and use um, less resources, basically. Yeah, and we got HDR coming, guys. I'm pretty sure... We're going to see that in March. They haven't, you know, said anything official, but there's definitely a lot of mumblings. No, okay. that'll either make your paint schemes look really good or really grainy if they're not that good to start with. Yes. <laughs> It'll be one or the other, right? All right, let's get to uh, hardware, software. Uh, Brent, we got a rig. Well, we got multiple rigs, several rigs on here. There was a, um updated forum post. I think it's probably, what, 117 pages long now? if I'm not mistaken, of a bunch of rigs ranging from SimLabs P1 rigs all the way down to there is a uh, rig that a gentleman made that is completely made out of, um, from the hardware store, plumbing equipment and stuff. So PVC pipe, black PVC pipe. So if you're interested in some of this stuff, check it out. There's a really cool uh, SimLab P1 on here that David Weiss wrote that it looks extremely interesting, and I might be I might have to check that out. The PVC one, I thought Tony would like that. I love how it's, uh, he's got, you know, U-clamps and he's got it bolted to a, you know, two by six board, you know, as the base. And uh, and he's got it all black, so it looks nice. And um, 
Hold on. I mean, it looks good. Look at how that button box is attached, Tony. Ah, yes. Yes, is that a seat It's a tie-down strap? Tie-down <laughs> strap. Even better. This dude has got it going on. Yeah, yeah, he's so literally got a tie-down strap around the button He's box. got everything on there. He's, it's not going anywhere. The base is solid on it. It seems like if you're running VR, I would think that this would be a great setup to have because you don't need those monitors right up on top of you. And to have something that he has that I don't, he even has a cup holder down there in the lower right-hand corner. So I don't know. I would think that PVC has flex to it, right? No, it actually. No. it's actually pretty darn solid, Mike. Really? Yeah. As long as you get the at least probably inch and a half, two inch, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I built mine at a two inch. Oh, wait, mine's ABS, though. That's a little different because I didn't want to paint it. I mean, look at the fancy seat mount that he, he's got to mount the seat to the actual rig. I mean, it's pretty crazy how it looks like it's mounted. That might be the weakest part of the rig. He's just like sitting on these little shafts and yeah. they're they go plop. down to like a U-clamp going around another pipe. Just like a long, you know, six, eight, eight inch bolt or something. There's just so many ways to make these. I know Mason and I were looking this past two weeks, looking at getting new, um, new rigs. And, and I think Mason is probably, if I'm not mistaken, he might go the route and correct me if I'm wrong on this. You're going to go the route of trying to build your own maybe. And, um, I've been looking on cause I'm, mechanically challenged so i just want one i can plug and play basically and just to see the difference in all of these rigs that these people have just under this pvc one there's one down there with a the gentleman who's got the base and it's that base has to be probably about 100 pounds with the amount of metal that's on there for just the base so oh yeah people build roll cages and all kinds of stuff you name it we've seen it all right let's keep moving mason the mini usb touchpad yeah, i saw this on our, our show notes and i was like huh how about this? So it's a it's a little touchpad that's uh, about the size of your postage stamp, postage stamp, and uh, it plugs in with USB, or you can get one of the old mini PS2 controller uh, touchpads and uh, you use it just like you would like a, a laptop touchpad. Um, it works with Windows, Mac, or Linux, and it's uh, for the price tag of sixty dollars. Um, you tap the corners to click, and you move your finger, probably only one finger because not that big, um, around the touchpad. And uh, yeah, you never. It says you never run out of dragging space. If you drag or draw something to the very edge of the touchpad, it automatically senses you're at the edge and gives you three seconds to lift up and reposition your finger. So anybody uh, planning on getting this to drive their car on iRacing? Left and right. I don't know about driving. I was thinking, when I saw this, I was thinking, boy, this would be cool to like integrate into a rig as, you know, so you have a mouse. I mean, because you always have a problem when you have a, a cockpit, where do you put the keyboard and the mouse? Okay. And so instead of having a mouse, uh, you remember we saw Bino's cockpit where he had that really cool trackpad or excuse me, trackball that was kind of built into this rig. And then this is kind of a, a different take on that is this, you know, Velcro, this little tiny, you know, postage stamp size touchpad, you know, onto the side of your gear shifter or something. And you have a way of, you know, moving a mouse around during the game. And that is a good idea. It yeah. Doesn't. Sorry, man. I was just going to say, I don't know about this. Like any laptop trackpad sucks. The little 
uh, on the older laptops, they had that little kind of button in the middle of the keyboard. That's kind of what this reminds me of. You know, you just kind of pressure it to whatever side you want. Uh, it looks like it'd be more of a pain than it would anything else. I don't know. It is uh, kind of cheap uh, looking. Uh, Thirty-four ninety-five. Well, that's the PS2 one. The USB one is sixty, and so uh, the website is Ergo Micro. No, excuse me, ErgonomicTouchpad.com. I find it weird that they make PS2 versions. Like, how many computers even still have PS2 plugs on them? Yeah, who knows? Probably a real old product, but uh, interesting nonetheless. All right, Chris, the Varho VR1. Uh, yeah, man, this thing looks cool. I can't wait until it's uh, something I can actually afford. But this is a, a, a VR headset, if you can call it that. Um, I don't know that it's ever really going to be out in the market to buy. Uh, they're saying this is uh, going to be something that's more um, like medical, military, enterprise type stuff. Um, probably with the $6,000 price tag and $1,000 a year for the service license. I, I imagine that's the only people that can afford it. But this thing's amazing. This is what VR is going to look like for normal people 10 years from now, for sure. I mean, uh, just uh, some stats on this thing. Um, 1920 by 1080 micro OLED display with some 3,000 pixels per inch. And surrounding this screen is a conventional, for surrounding this screen is a conventional 14 by 40, 1600 molded display providing an 87 degree field of view. Has eye tracking built in. Um, Best uh, demonstration I can see of this is actually on their web page or on this this article. I'm sorry by uh, Ars Technica, and they put the images side by side with um, what the Vive, what you see in the Vive, compared to the screen on this uh, this new VR headset. And I mean, it's it's night and day. It looks wow, like it's a huge uh, difference. Yeah, it's the difference between like Pong and modern day almost. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. I mean, this is going to look in that looks if it looks like that with the, you know this side by side picture imagine what that thing is like on your face i mean this thing's got to look as close to real as real gets does your headset look like the the left hand side worse actually the the rift really? is actually yeah if, i mean but that's if you're getting up onto it that's like if you um i mean to put your eyeball right up onto the lens but yeah that's what you would see i've yeah, just this. never used it yeah, the, the resolution's not great in those. I mean, it doesn't look, when you have the headset on, I mean, it doesn't look nearly as blurry as what you're seeing there. But, um, yeah, it's that's the, a problem with VR. It's definitely not as crisp as uh, even a, a, a 1080 monitor, not even close. But, now, and, and like I said, that's the Vive. That's the better of the two. The Rift is even worse. Now, technically, if I'm reading this right, it does some kind of weird thing where it projects onto a larger screen. So it's a projection uh, of, of an image in some way. Yeah, it does a lot of weird things. And that eye tracking... Um, yeah, I didn't understand that part either. We were Mason and I were debating what that meant. So basically, what, the way I understand it, so we have, I can, try, uh, think like track IR, how you can set that on your computer and it'll track your, um, your head mo movements. So you look to the around. apex. Right? Yeah, think of that, but you stick it inside of a headset and it tracks your eyeballs moving. So if I you see. yeah, if you look left with your eye, you can look left without even moving your head. Maybe you'll turn your character to the left, right? Or something well, like obviously, that. Obviously, like if you're sitting in the car, you can look left and right with your head. 
But with that eye tracking, you can also just look left, keep your head straight and just look left. And because this this headset has those uh, the screen that wraps around the out the inner part of the headset, not just those fr the front part, you actually have peripheral vision. So you can just you know look left with your eyeball, and not move your head, and you have peripheral vision inside the headset. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. And so you're right. You're, you the the screens kind of go to the left and right of your eyes as well, right? That's what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is probably as close to real as you can get because you can turn your head left and right. Plus, you can just yeah, like I said, use your peripheral vision and move your eyeballs left and right and look around, up and down. That thing looks heavy. Yeah, yeah it does. Look at that strap that you got for your head. It's like a that's, why it's, that's why it's for a military. You got to you gotta be a military man to support this thing. All right. Let's keep moving. Uh, one more hardware one. The Samsung Odyssey uh, is $300 right now at B&H Photo. Uh, that's a pretty good price. That was the same price it was back on Black Friday. Uh, so $299. This is a proven headset uh, for iRacing. A lot of people do run the Samsung Odyssey. All right, we're going to jump to uh, NASCAR iRacing Series results. Let's finish up what happened at Daytona. Um, and so after our recording, we ran the Thursday fixed race. I got P5 after getting a P4 the night before. Uh, I actually got into a wreck getting on the pit road and then later got door slammed. Uh, had a passing under yellow black flag. I had to pit under green, but still ended up with a good finish. But I didn't have anything for the win. But uh, very pleased with the results I had for Daytona. Uh, Brent, how was your uh, Thursday fixed? Qualified P1, led the first uh, seven laps, and I got wrecked out from the lead. Somebody hooked me in my right rear. Typical for Daytona, disappointing though. Uh, immediately went back to like P38 or P37, and I basically raced two and a half, three hours just to get back up to P24, which was rewarding in itself for me. So five laps down, I'll take it. That is tough when you're just... Minding your own business, leading the race. You're not like moving around, right? And you just get dumped. Yeah, it's frustrating. That's uh, super speedway racing, though. All right. Let's talk about Friday Open. Uh, Tony Rochette got a P21. He said, neighborhood squirrels must have been stealing my internet and watching Netflix. He got disconnected three times while having a clean, fast car. He said, Tony Groves and I had definitely had top three cars. Tony, you ended up P6. Good run. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good run. Um, I qualified second. And, uh, <laughs> guys, I forgot to switch the, the race set. But luckily, you know, down near the bottom of the of the splits, I knew I didn't have to wait too long um, to get a caution. And that, that held true. So I was able to get in and get some tape off the car so it wouldn't blow up. Um, and uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, once we got past, you know, got through all the shenanigans at the beginning of the race, we got in a couple of green flag uh, pit stops. I got nailed for speeding on on the first one, and uh, it, I, I'm pretty sure it went green for the rest of the race. Is um, I had the the first place car uh, behind me, like right behind me for the the last 60 laps. Um, there was just nothing nothing I could have done, but had I not uh, got nailed for speeding and had to take that penalty um 
I could have been in contention to to win for sure. And yeah, like Mason and Brent built some great cars. Like I did, I wish Rochette didn't have the uh, internet problems because we we would have been right up front if not leading the whole the whole thing. Yeah, don't beat yourself, man. All right, uh, Mason P14. Bet you put bad race. Yeah, this was dumb. I was there was a guy pushing me hard, um, too hard. I was in third and he was in fourth, and he's pushing me too hard for lap six. So I wanted to get away from him. So I, I on the back stretch, I went below the apron and hit the brakes, but I didn't hit him hard enough and spun it. Once we got to turn three, didn't hit anyone, but uh, you know, no caution on that and got caught up in a wreck. Once we did finally have a caution, got you know, in the back of the pack and caught up in a wreck and everyone's wrecked and apparently I came back to 14th. All right, David Hall got a P15. He was running up front. He got caught up in a mess. Uh, and then Brent, uh, another uh, almost win. You got a P2. Yeah, qualified P2. Led 34 laps in the race. Me and uh, P1, we just um, exchanged positions every so often. Top three all race and had a last lap pass photo finish. Almost passed, finished eight hundredths or eight thousandths of a second. Eight behind. thousandths. Oh my god. Yeah, it was close. Definitely, definitely up there. And uh boy, that's a little bittersweet, but uh, a good run nonetheless. Uh you've had a good Daytona week, huh? Yeah, it's been so far this season, entire starting out has been pretty good. We'll get into the Atlanta um talk here in a little bit, but the first two weeks have been pretty good to me. All right, and then Mark Antonelli uh, finished P10. Uh, Saturday fixed, uh, Tony Rochette, P28. He said he was caught in a wreck, destroyed the motor a little over halfway. Sunday open, uh, Chris, uh, you got a P6. Yeah, I screwed myself on that race. Um, I had a teammate, uh, Mark was in the, the race with me, and we had a caution real early, and he said, let's just go to the back. We'll we'll ride around since we have both of us in here. Wait for everybody to wreck out, and we were going to go down pit road, and the field didn't get caught up properly, so we couldn't pit. And then we pit the next time by, and because no one was lapped down, the pits were closed, and which I didn't see. So we had to pit for pitting under caution, and then uh, Mark ends up getting wrecked in the back of the field, and a couple more times during that race, um, the same guy just wouldn't get he would sit on his the on pit road for repairs and then wouldn't get caught up to the field and I got black flags for him twice. I mean it's Daytona you can only hang back so far. And because I was back there because of his penalties, it was just uh just uh um just kept feeding itself I guess. But yeah, P six in a clean, really fast car that Brent and Mason made is is frustrating. But good week overall I guess. All right, yeah, and then David Hall, P14, he got a, a pole position as well. Uh, said he ran well and got hit uh, because a guy broke in the racing service before getting low on the green flag stops. Uh, Mason, you said got wrecked twice by the same guy. Well, yeah, I had exactly the same thing that happened to David. We were in the lead pack, and we had clearly said we were pitting on lap whatever it was about 18 times going down the backstretch. Everyone up front, except for this lap car that was in the middle of us, apparently heard that. Because he just ran the hell over me and uh, wrecked the you know half the field going on pit road. Then right. uh, we get back under caution, and I'm beside him, and 
Weird. And the green, and he is just all over the place, left and right. He's on the outside of me and just hits me down into the, the, the infield. So at that point, I parked it because I was pissed. All right. Sun- yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Sunday fix, the final event. Uh, I ran. I got wrecked out. Uh, I noticed the guy's name when I entered the room. I usually go in the room and I tell my team who to watch out for. And that was one of the names I mentioned at the beginning of the race. And sure enough, uh, I didn't pay attention. He was actually side-drafting me and got into the side of me. And it wrecked both of us bad and and took me out. Uh, McCoy, you got finished P31. Yeah, I qualified P2 up front again. Finished P31. Hooked on the back stretch early on in the right rear and just ended my night. So that was it. Boy, we had a qualifying set. It seems to show. Uh, Mark, uh, he got a P24 that night as well. Let's talk about Atlanta. We're almost out of time. Uh, Wednesday, yesterday, uh, fixed. I got a P16. I missed a big wreck on lap three that took out third place through 10th. I just barely missed it. They just hooked each other and and took out the inside lane. It was crazy. Uh, I ran top five after that for the first half of a green flag run, but faded back to 10th or 12th later in the run. With about 23 laps to go, uh, two guys wrecked ahead of me. I could not get it to turn down, uh, and I just plowed right in. And and this has happened to me uh, yesterday and today where two guys wreck in front of me, and I can't miss it. And at Atlanta, we're going so damn fast around there. If you try to slow down and go down to the left, the car will not turn. It will not turn. I, It's crazy. I, I got into two wrecks, and it's been horrible. Uh, Tony Rochette ran a P12. Uh, he ran the PlayStation VR goggles for the first time and got a P12. He did hit the wall a couple times, but uh, got through the race. Uh, Brent, you got a win, P1. Tell us about that. Yeah, qualified P13. Uh, conserved early on, running mid-packed, trying to avoid some wrecks when they were there. It was pretty clean racing overall. Uh, mid-race, about the lap 90 mark, I got a black flag mid-race for a phantom i'm gonna call it a phantom speeding on the exit of pit road i never had a black flag indicator that popped up i was only doing about 52 i think or just two over the speed limit and um i was confused as to why this happened but you just gotta take it i mean you're not gonna win that argument <laughs> right there so i just took it fell all the way back i was dead last with about 80 to go and um through luck had it caution came out i was up to p13 i think and uh, or p10 with about 20 to go green flag came out and i i charged to the front ended up passing the leader with about five to go you know brent speed is electronically enforced yeah well there was no (laughs) indicator no like black flag and this and at first i thought well this is weird you know well then we had another teammate today that had that same issue happen where he said he didn't get an indicator or anything saying that he was speeding and he got a end of the line penalty Hmm. what will we need a cop car sitting at the end of the road I tell you, no, because we just go faster. That's all. <laughs> nice win. So that's two weeks in a row. Yeah, that's yeah. Thank you. Good deal. Let's keep going. Uh, Wednesday open. Uh, Chris, you got a P10. Yeah, yeah. Pretty uneventful race. Had a ran good, but uh, spun myself out once, unfortunately. All right, and then Mason, you got wrecked off turn two. Yep. This has been the week of everyone. Just wrecking it off turn two. I was on the inside trying to pass him, and he uh, he did apologize, but he he lost on the outside of me, and I overheated and it was, was several laps down, so it wasn't worth it. And then Brent, I think you said on your run, 
uh, when you finished P12. Uh, how did I wreck going down the backstretch? Yeah, I don't understand how that happened. Well, I do after reviewing it, but qualified P3, finished P12, led laps early on, but I faded as the, as the run went on. Going down the backstretch after about um, about 20 lap tires, I must have hit the bump that was up there by the wall, and it just shot me down the backstretch, went and avoided the wall, and ended up coming back up onto the track about halfway between turns three and four, and luckily only one guy got into me, so... I was on the radio hollering at him, but there was nothing I could do to slow it down at that point. Even if I hit the wall, I was going to shoot back up to the track. Yeah, and I had a blown engine after I couldn't turn down to miss a wreck today in the open. And then Tony Rochette ran. He got a P14. Said he's going back to triple screens and giving up the PlayStation VR uh, after slapping the wall and being lapsed down. So uh, good luck, Tony. All right, that's it. Let's jump to final thoughts. Uh, Brent McCoy, what do you got? Yeah, just a good first two weeks of uh, NIS season so far. Got the results I've been looking for. The team, I think, is doing pretty well. If you guys would, keep an eye out on social media again. I know I said this last week. We're trying to be more active on Twitter and our Facebook page. Check out the um, iRacers Lounge podcast here. We're going to start doing some broadcasts on Twitch, too. So keep an eye out for that for the um, podcast. All right, very good. Chris Scales, final thought. Oh, man, I'm having a blast with NIS so far. And um, definitely have improved my driving quite a bit in the off season. Man, the um, racing in a league like the old bastards, man. Those guys, I uh, appreciate Mike Mike Schrader for smacking us on the wrist with a ruler every time we screw up. Because man, it has really improved um, my racecraft over the off season. Yeah, and they have a new uh, penalty system they have announced, where they uh, are letting um, the timing and scoring of your. Uh, how many incidents you get per corner or per race are yeah. calculated and you have to be under a certain number and all this. Yeah. They're going to try to do kind of a, an incident based system um, to try to keep racing clean, which is really awesome. I've heard a lot of people talk about before, but I don't think I've ever seen it implemented. We'll see. We'll see how that works. Uh, all right. Very good. Mason Stiver, final thought. Yeah, two things. First, I would like to thank Jimmy Mullis um, for coming on and uh, spending a couple minutes talking about the Peak Series and about his experience at Daytona. Um, it's, it was a blast having him on, and hopefully we'll see him on the track someday when he joins the, the mortals down here. <laughs> but uh, also, I've been looking for a new rig that tax refunds uh, burning a hole in my pocket. So looking at seeing what I can get. Man, we've talked about a million rigs. It's so hard to decide, isn't it? Yep, 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 yep. Trying to find the best value for your money, you know. Yeah, future-proof. That was what I recommend. Uh, plan what you're going to do in the far future. Make sure what you buy today supports that vision. All right, very good. Uh, Tony Groves, final thoughts? Yeah, uh, boy, oh, boy, the, the, the only thing I think about last last week uh, for Daytona was redemption. I, I had a horrible showing. Um, I didn't even finish the race on, on Wednesday and I was really, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even want to make another start because it was terrible. Um, but I'm glad I did because P6, that, that's, that's a pretty good finish. Um, I, unfortunately, real life is going to be kicking my, my butt for, you know, this week and next week. Um, I'm really wanting to see what Chris has seen this week with, uh, you know, the improvements he's made uh, being with the old bastards. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to wait till Vegas to be able to, to see if I've been able to make improvements like I want. 
I love right. it, man. Yeah, and I'm a few few splits up too, so you're gonna destroy him. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, my final thoughts. Yeah, thanks to Jimmy Mullis for coming on. Uh, good luck in the Peak Series. We didn't mention it, but I did look at his winning percentage overall. I think it was a 24% on oval. And uh, the guy is a real talent. I mean, that's why he's there. And he's fairly young, too. Uh, Mason, how, how old would you guess that he is? 19, 20? 20, yeah, 20s. Yeah, maybe 20 years old or so. So, um, But, boy, tons of talent, guys. And that's why he's got the, got the ride with uh, Richmond Raceway and Sunoco and all that. Also want to give a shout out to Scott Yost from Michigan who gave me a proper shout out on the forum. So thanks, Scott. I did see that and I do appreciate it. Uh, my final thought is on it. Boy, Atlanta bit me in the ass. I mean, I got nailed to the wall with bad finishes and I only get two starts in open. Both of them were bad. I got wrecked out and collected in other people's stuff that happened in front of me. And it was about, you know, track position. I put myself back there. I got repairs and I was in the back or whatever. And I was behind the wreck. And you really think about track position. You think about qualifying and how important it is. It's important because you get in front of these wrecks, guys. And especially Atlanta, it's so hard to miss it. Um, so I'm going to focus on track position going into Vegas. But, uh, boy, Atlanta's just been horrible. So with that, we'll see you. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.